Thank y'all for being here this morning. Appreciate it. And uh, God's given us another day to lift him up, to worship him, to breathe his, breathe his beautiful air, beautiful mountain air, beautiful fall mountain air. Uh, it's a great and, and awesome thing to be alive today. Thank you also for your prayer, your support, uh, your love over the past few days, uh, not just for the Nichols family, but for the Pinon family and all the other families that are involved. Um, we uh, got Grandpa, uh, how would you say it? We, we all said goodbye and uh, let him go. Uh, he's off to a better place, a much better place, and, um, and that's a wonderful, wonderful thing to think about. We have our work cut out for us here. He left a great legacy, and uh, it's our honor to carry that on. I don't know if you knew him very well, but those of us who did have um, big shoes to fill. I'm wearing one of his ties this morning, and I stole my case back from him. He liked this iPad case because it made his iPad look like a Bible. He got to the point where he had a hard time reading even the extra large print in his Bible. And so uh, he started using an iPad to read his Bible. Hours and hours and hours, he's probably had it for eight or nine months, and he's probably read more Bible out of this case than I have in a lifetime. Um, he read his Bible constantly. God's Word's something that we need to hold on to, we need to trust in, we need to rely on, uh, we need to hold it in uh, high regard. And um, something he did, and... Um, Hopefully, we can all do the same. So, thank you once again for, for all that you guys have done. Very much appreciate it. First of all, this morning, I need, to, uh, I need to clear something up. Last week, I um, told a story about myself, and I did it in first person, and told the story of, like it was me. And I told you that I went and bought a lottery ticket because God told me to. It was, a, you know, that crystal clear voice that you hear to tell, have God go tell you to do something. I did not buy a lottery ticket. I have never purchased a lottery ticket. I do not rec recommend that you waste your money on lottery tickets. Uh, just so you know, I, that was not me. All right. That was somebody else. It was a great illustration. And it's a great compliment also that uh, some of you actually believed it because I must have told the story pretty well. <laughs> Evidently, I need to tell stories a little more unrealistically, if that's a word. There are many responsibilities that land in my lap as a father, as a husband. Uh, taking out the trash is one of those. How many of you guys have to take out the trash? Is that your job? Yeah? Okay. You get to, yeah, you get to. Some of those jobs that land in your lap. How about killing spiders? Whose, whose job is that? Yeah. That's it? Yeah. Okay. One, one or the other, right? It's, it's usually one or the other. Um, many jobs like cleaning out the ashes out of the fireplace. That's my job. When it needs to be done, that's, this is what I do, right? Uh, it just happens that way. Another thing that lands kind of in my lap is, is instruction manuals. And, BJ's way better at this than I am, but when we get a new game or we get a new product or we get something in, you know, whatever, Christmas time, you're opening all the gifts and, and all of them have little instruction manuals, right? So you have to read through those to find out what it is that, that this game or this product is all about. 
and I meant to bring one um, with me, but you, you know what I'm talking about. It's the, it's the instruction manuals that's usually in two or three different languages, right? And you have to find the English or turn it upside down and backwards so that you can find the English. And you read through that instruction so that you can tell everyone what's going on, how to play the game, right? Some guys don't read the instruction manuals. They just go for it and usually have to end up and go back and read the instructions because they messed it up the first time. Done that a few times. That's where we are today. We've talked about faith for the last three or four weeks. We've talked about what it's all about, what it's not. Now we're going to dive into putting our faith into practice in the use of prayer. We'll get to the instructions over the next four or five weeks. But this morning, I want us to focus on the little yellow slip of paper that comes with the instructions. It's the warning label. It's the one that says, do this first. Make sure this is in place first. One of them is, don't let your kid play with the bag. (laughs) Right? That's always on, on something. That's where we are this morning. We want to talk about prayer. We want to dive into it. But first, we need to read the warning label. I want us to watch a short video. Uh, this is kind of pretty, pretty hilarious. Take a look. At Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for this day, Lord Jesus, and all your wonderful, Lord Jesus, things that you, Lord Jesus, do for us, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay, Uh, I just want to thank you for Annie and Sarah and Molly. I know that with your strength, we can change the world! We can change the world! Woo! Earth, Mars, and we give you the praise. Yes, Jesus. We cannot wait to see what you're going to yes. do today. Yes. And we are excited. <laughs> Aunt Margaret's really nasty hangnail. And I worship you forever. Deodorant. Speaking of, I need to get some more. Hey God, uh, thanks for bringing us here today. Thank you for all the stuff that you're going to do in our lives. Uh, the way you're going to work is absolutely amazing. We are super amped for everything that you hold for us. Hey God. Man, you're great. Help me find a mate. Amen. <laughs> salt, garlic salt, sea salt, kosher salt. God, just, just let your doves of knowledge flow from under our fingernails of repentance. Firewire 800, 
Thunderbolt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that. Or seen that. <laughs> it happens often. We're going to go to one of my favorite Bible stories in the entire Old Testament this week. Um, 1 Samuel chapter 4. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 4. It's closer to the front of your Bibles. You have 1 and Samuel, 1 and Kings, 1 and Chronicles, 1 and Samuel. If you get to the 1st and 2nd, go to the end of them. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 4 is where we want to start this morning. 1 Samuel chapter 4. While you're on your way there, let's look to God in a word of prayer. God, I thank you so much for all that you do for us, for the many blessings that you give. Thank you for joining us together, bringing us here, uh, allowing us to experience uh, worship with you and, and honoring of you all week. And God, as we come together and cooperate and uh, worship you in this way, God, help it to be a, a sweet aroma. Help it to be something that would be pleasing to you and make you smile. God, thank you for, um, for all that you do for us. God, help us as we look at these things this morning that you'll bless us and you'll give us courage to change the way we think uh, to make it more like what you want us to, to think and want us to be. God helps to put these things in action. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. First Samuel chapter 4. Look at it with me. We find the story. We talked about the Philistines and the Israelites last week a little bit. And uh, we're going to kind of carry on there for just a minute. It says, at the time Israel was at war with the Philistines. The Israelite army was camped near Ebenezer and the... Philistines were at Aphek, okay? Two sides of the canyon, two sides of, of, of an area, and a big valley in between them, and just very similar to where David and Goliath fought. Not the same area, but it's very similar. The Philistines attacked and defeated the army of Israel, killing 4,000 men. <laughs> the scene is set, the first battle, first day of battle. What happens? Yikes. Israel gets routed. Takes, they're, they're taken out. 4,000 men, just boom, done. God, I thought we were your favorites. I thought we were the chosen ones. I thought you brought us out of Egypt into the wilderness and, and then from the wilderness into the promised land. I thought this is where we were supposed to live. I thought this is where we were supposed to hang out. Why are you doing this to us? We're supposed to be your favorite. Why is the world winning? Ever been there? Yeah. Ever felt that way? Look what happens next. Verse 3. After the battle was over, the troops retreated to their camps. And the elders of, the Israel, elders of Israel asked, Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? Then they said, huh, Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh. If we carry it into battle with us, it will save us from our enemies. The box. Ladies and gentlemen, they went for the box. What was this box? was the Ark of the Covenant. It helped them defeat Jericho, right? The, the priests carried it around the walls of Jericho. And the walls came tumbling down. It got them across the flooded Jordan River, right? The, key, the priests were carrying the box, the Ark of the Covenant, and they stepped into the river and it parted. The box. God must be in the box. Well, let's take it with us, they said. Bring in the good luck charm. Here it is. Ta-da! Wear your socks inside out. A pink one on Tuesday and a purple one on Thursday. God's going to take care of us, right? It's the lucky charm. 
Verse 4, so they sent men to Shiloh to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who was enthroned between the cherubim. Hophni and Phinehas, the son of Eli, were also there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into their camp, their shout of joy was so loud, it made the ground shake. Here comes the Ark of the Covenant. It's on its way, led by the three of, of the most prominent leaders of God. The priests, Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. How do most people think prayer works? Now it's like this. They tell God they need help. God, we need help. I'm defeated. We just got routed. We just lost 4,000 men. I need help. We need your help, God. God, you need to save us. Maybe it's financially. Maybe it's medically. Maybe it's emotionally. Maybe it's spiritually. Secondly, we tell God what to do. Sorry to be so blunt, but really that's what it is. We tell God we need help, and then we tell God how to fix it. Because we all know better than Him, right? And then third, we believe that God will answer. We muster all the faith we have and, and all in one place, and we throw it all in one big nauseous mass, and we throw it at our problem. Say, okay, God, this is, what, this is what we need. This is what we want. What happens? The all too common result, look at verse 4, or verse 6 rather, of 1 Samuel chapter 4. When the Philistines heard the sound of that shout, they asked, What is that loud shouting in the Hebrew camp about? You know the one. Every team has one. He's the one that stands about four foot nothing, weighs about. No, between 50 and 60 pounds, but can run like the lightning, right? Run like the wind. He's faster than fast. And he's the one that always has a funny little name, like Skeeter, or like kind of shaped like Colton and kind of runs like Colton. <laughs> Super fast and just can keep on running forever. Maybe they call him Bacon. That's what they call Colton at school. <laughs> He has some sort of nickname and he runs. He, he leaves the Philistine camp and he busts down through the valley and he makes his way through the reeds and, and crosses the creek and through some more reeds and up through the brush up into the Israelite camp. And he parts the grass and he's looking through. He sees the box. Oh man, they've got the box. They're all excited because they've got the box. So he runs back down through the valley, through the creek, back up on the other side. He gets back in the Israelite camp. Oh man, they've got the box. When they learned that the Lord's chest had come into the camp, it's a big deal. The Philistines have heard about this. They heard about what's inside this box. It was overlaid with gold. It had manna that never spoiled. It's like morning Pop-Tarts laying all over the ground, right? They put it in the box and it never went bad. I don't think Pop-Tarts can either. You got a half-life of about 45 years probably. But this manna never spoiled. What else was in there? There's many other things. Aaron's staff, for instance. An old wooden staff that had budded miraculously overnight. The tablets that God written on, that had written on as a covenant of, with, that he made with Moses. They were there in the box. 
That's the history. This is all of Israelites' history. All the great things that happened to Israel in that box. How God was good to the Israelites. <laughs> Bacon gets back and shares the news. Verse 7. The Philistines were afraid and said, A God has come into that camp. We are doomed. Some translations say, Woe to us. Because nothing like this has ever happened before. We're doomed. Who will deliver us from the grip of these powerful deities? They are the same gods who struck the Egyptians in the desert with every kind of wound. The Hebrew word here, I don't know if I pronounce it right, but looks to me kind of like, oi. Just simply, oi, we're toast. We're dead. It's like the W bomb, man. It's like, oh, we're toast. They're, they got the box. We're, de- we're, we're done for. Oh, great. We're in trouble. The next event's a pep talk. Have you ever seen the movie Braveheart? You ever seen it? Wallace comes in. This is like the Philistine Wallace. He comes up front and he starts giving a speech. Verse 9. Pull yourselves together. Act like men, Philistines. Otherwise, you'll serve the Hebrews like they've been serving you. Act like men and fight. Philistine Wallace must have had a pretty phenomenal speech. Because he, he rallied the Philistines even though they were scared. But they fought like they were scared. Have you ever gotten an animal? A hurt animal? A wounded animal? Cornered? What happens? They come out fighting, don't they? If you ever have an opportunity, come across a, a badger. A badger's not a very big animal. It's about as big as this stand right here. And they're about as flat as that stand. They're really flat. Really short legs and really flat. They're one of the meanest animals I've ever run across. We were out antelope hunting one time. Greg and I, all we had was our bow and arrows. And we came across a badger, and he came across to us. <laughs> and we thought, yep, yeah, this is our, our lot in life. Our, uh, this is what we are put here for. We're conquerors. We're mighty hunters. So Greg and I plugged him with about four arrows. This badger had literally four arrows sticking through him. And that badger backed himself into his hole. Couldn't go any farther because the arrows stopped him. And he was fighting. I've never seen a creature fight like that. The Philistines fought desperately. The speech must have gone right to their heart. Verse 10, it says, So the Philistines fought desperately, and Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. The ark of God was captured. Hophni and Phinehas and two sons of Eli were killed. The two sons of Eli were killed. Have you ever been in that place? Have you ever been in that place in your Christian life when you felt like you kind of wanted your money back? It's like, God, I thought this was supposed to be better than this. I thought everything was supposed to work out the right way. I've tried this stuff and it's just not working. Can I get some store credit or something? Wait, maybe the story isn't over. 
Maybe it's about to turn itself around. No, it gets worse. The next 10 or 12 verses, sometime read those today. It doesn't get any better. News comes back to Eli, the priest, who is 98 years old. Some translations say he was fat, overweight, whatever you want to say. Fell over backwards in his chair, broke his neck, and died. Phineas's wife was pregnant at the time. One of Eli's sons, daughter-in-law of Eli, goes into premature labor when she hears her husband was killed. She ends up and dies, but in her last breath is able to name her child Ichabod, which means Israel's glory has left. God has left the building. What happened? What happened? They never told us these kind of stories in Sunday school. I thought God always won in the Old Testament. I thought he was always the one that, that took the victory. The fiery furnaces, the den of lions, the belly of a whale. I mean, they all survived. Peter even walked on water. All these great stories of when God showed up. I even hear great stories from time to time of, of Christianity all over the world and, and what great things happen. We heard a story last night from a young man who had attempted to commit suicide five or six times and each and every time was saved by something, someone. In one case, it was an atheist. One of his best friends was an atheist and for some reason came to the door at the exact moment he was going to slice his throat. I've heard about him. But how many times have you prayed over and over and over again for the exact same thing and it only seems to get worse? Many times in my life, I, I apply my time and money and energy to the Christian life. And to be honest... There's times when I want a refund. There's times when I want out. God, what happened? How come this is happening to me? Why is this taking place? We tell God that we need help. And then we tell him what to do. And we believe God will answer. What's the common result? It's frustration. Many times it's bitterness. Many times it's resentment towards God. We blame God. You ever been there? I think sometimes we treat God like a big dog. We, we run and we get him out of the crate and we, we pull him out. We pull him out to the problem. We say, sick him, God, sick him. And then when we're done, we pull him back in and we put him back in the crate. We treat him like he's, he's a cosmic Coke machine. And we, we walk up to him and we, we put, put in the right amount of prayers and we, we hit the button that we want and we expect God to just spit out whatever it is that we need and want. Prayer is not something that we do to get God on our side. Things don't always go better with prayer. We read it last week, Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 2 says, Enthusiasm without knowledge is not good. If you act too quickly, you might make a mistake. 
people's own foolishness ruin their lives. But in their minds, they blame God. So what does the Bible actually say? What does the warning label actually say? What's that bright yellow piece of paper with the exclamation points all over it? What's he actually tell us about the way prayer works? Number one, God's guidance is based on our obedience. God's guidance is based on our obedience. God gives obedience, but it's obedience based on, it's obedience based guidance. It's not about how religious we are. It's not about how often we pray. The power we have through prayer is based solely on our obedience. Look at these passages of scripture. Just a couple chapters over in 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30. It says, Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel declares, I promised the members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, Far be it from me. Those who honor me I will honor, but those who despise me will be disdained. God says, Far be it from me. God promises. And, and really, these are kind of if-then statements. A lot of times, God promises, but he, he also qualifies that promise. Oftentimes, obedience is where it's at. So many times, God's promises, they're if-then statements. We, we throw them on coffee cups, and we throw them on t-shirts. If we printed it, he's got to show up, right? If we prayed it, he's got to be there. God says, far be it from me. Second Chronicles 7 it says, then, and they're, all, they're together, right, in a row. Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Another one we find in Exodus 19. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant then, out of all nations, you will be the treasured possession. It's an if-then statement. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be mine and a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you speak to the Israelites. Isaiah 59 says, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Your hands are the hands of murderers, and your fingers are filthy with sin. Your lips are full of lies, and your mouth spews corruption. Yikes. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, produces wonderful results. 1 John 3.22 And we will receive from Him whatever we ask because we obey Him and do the things that please Him. When we go to put it on a coffee cup, we just stop at the first part. We will receive from Him whatever we ask. Yay, God. Requires something of us. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 13, it says, If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me 
Deuteronomy 1.43. This, this is what I told you, but you would not listen. Instead, you again rebelled against the Lord's command and arrogantly went into the hill country to fight. But the Amorites who lived there came out against you as a swarm of bees. They chased you and battered you from all the way from, from Seir to, to Hormah. Then you returned and wept before the Lord, but he refused to listen. So you stayed there at Kadesh for a long time. You get the picture? It's an if-then statement. Yeah, God's going to take care. Yeah, God's going to bless. But he wants obedience. God gives obedience-based guidance. Proverbs 28 and verse 9. If you refuse to obey what you have been taught, your prayers will not be heard. God, you're not listening to me today. How come you're not answering? I've been asking you this for years. What is the problem? Hmm. Micah chapter 3 and verse 4 says, Then you will cry out to the Lord, but he will not answer them. At that time, he will hide his face from them because of the evil they have done. If your life's not honoring me, don't put my promises on a coffee mug. We, we, we have to get in and look at the warning label. It's important that we understand this key element. God doesn't have to do anything he promised if we aren't obeying him. There's some obedience that comes. Some obedience that's necessary. The warning label of prayer is clear. God doesn't work for us. He's not our slave. But please understand, it's, it's not about perfection. That's not what God asked for. It's not, it's not for you to be a perfect person. That's not what he's asking for. It's a direction. God wants you pointed towards him. He wants you making decisions every single minute of every single day in his direction. If we continue to follow in that direction, it's not perfection. Yeah, we're going to mess up. But we need to keep going the right direction. That's what he asks for. It's God's word. And if it's Lord of your life, if God's word becomes Lord of your life, that's the most important. Are you following him? Is he the boss of your decisions? It's not about you being pure and blameless. It's not about it's not whether or not you're you're it's not whether or not you're doing everything perfectly. It's the honor, it's the respect. That's what he's looking for. It's giving God's word, his word, his will for our lives, final authority. That's what it's all about. God's guidance is based on our obedience. Secondly, God would rather be feared than used. Dale Ralph Davis writes about, about this passage in 1 Samuel. He says, God would rather suffer shame than allow you to carry on a false relationship with him. God would rather suffer shame than allow you to carry on a false relationship with him. God will allow you to be disappointed with him if it will awaken you to the sort of God that he really is. He continues. He says, perhaps individual Christians have observed that things go better with prayer. But what then is your drive behind praying? Is it delight in meeting with God or is it in things going better for you? 
Whenever the church, church starts or stops rather confessing that thou art worthy and starts chanting thou art useful, then you know that the Ark of the Covenant has been stolen again. Does the church chant, God, you are useful? No. We shouldn't be. God is good. And he's worthy of our respect. That's what he's asking for. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13. It says, Now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases him and live and love him and serve him with all your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and, and decrees that I am giving you today. For who's good? It says for your own good. It's not for him. It's for you. Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13, the wisest man, one of the wisest men has ever lived in the in, entire universe, the entire whatever, however long this earth has been in existence. He says, that's, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey His commands, for this is everyone's duty. 1 Peter 2.16 says, For you are free, yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Psalms 111.10 says, Wisdom begins with respect for the Lord. Those who obey His orders have good understanding. He should be praised forever. God wants us to seek Him, not control Him. He wants us to submit to Him, not expect Him to submit to us. Are you praying to direct God? Or are you praying to be directed by God? God would rather be feared than used. And number three, instead of getting religious, get right with God. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Just after this story in 1 Samuel chapter 4, a couple chapters later... In 1 Samuel chapter 7, 20 years in all, it says, The ark remained in Kirath-Jairim for a long time. It says 20 years in all. During that time, all Israel mourned because it seemed the Lord had abandoned them. Then Samuel said to the people of Israel, If you want to return to the Lord with all your hearts, get rid of your foreign gods and your Im images of Asherah. Turn your hearts to the Lord and obey Him alone. Then... He will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites got rid of their images of Baal and Asherah and worshipped only the Lord. I want God to answer my prayers for my life. But allowing God to have my life, that's the tough one. Putting my life in His hands and allowing Him to guide each and every step. That's the hard part. It's not me con 
controlling him. It's him controlling me. God, I want to do what you want me to do. That should be our prayer. James chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. Proverbs 8 and verse 17. It says, I love all who love me. Those who search will surely find me. And Psalms 34 and verse 17. It says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. What's the Bible really say? God's guidance is based on our obedience. And God would rather be feared than used. And instead of getting religious and praying correctly and doing all the right things, God wants us to be right with Him. We want to be seen as faithful, not, as, not, not viewed as trying to use God and, and making God something that's supposedly useful. Jesus constantly used the words, follow me. Follow me. He said it over and over again, follow me, follow me, follow me. He didn't use the words, use me and I'll come through for you. He didn't say, use me and I'll come through. He said, follow me. That's real Christianity. Real Christianity says, I want to follow him. I want to follow him closely and I want to follow him intimately. I want to get associated in and acknowledge God's word rather than just do what I want to do. Do what makes me feel good. Prayer is hindered when we're not coming close to God. We aren't done with prayer. This is only the beginning. We're going to talk about it in several weeks. This is only the warning label. This is only the piece that goes in the front uh, before we dive into the rest of the instructions. Next week we'll be talking about how it feels when God seems to be deaf. Been there, done that. Sometimes God seems like God doesn't listen. It seems like He's not listening. What do we need to do? We're going to try to answer that question uh, coming up next week. Let's not, let's not control God. Let's not try to, to, to ask Him to submit to us and ask Him to do what we want Him to do. Let's get close to Him and find out what it is He wants us to do. How, how He wants us to think about these things. He doesn't want to be distant from us. He doesn't want to be far away from us. He wants to be close to us. He wants us to seek Him in an intimate way. I hope and pray that, uh, that we can do just that. God wants to bless. God wants to take care of us. God wants to, to see that our lives are in, in a good place. But there are things that we need to put in place in our lives in order for Him to do that. We need, we need to be walking closely with Him. Thank you for your attention. I hope that there's been some things that have been said that can bless your life, can, can change us about our, way, our ways of thinking, about how God really wants us to pray. I know it's not the the arm swinger or the 
repeater or any of those that we saw earlier. I hope these things can bless your life and, and maybe, maybe, maybe do some tweaking about the way you think when you pray. What is, what is it that, how is it that you go to God? Do you tell Him what you want and then you tell Him what to do about it? And then you expect Him to answer? I think it should be, it should be different than that. We need to obey. We need to get close to God. We need to fear Him rather than try to use Him. Let's do those things today. Once again, thank you for being here. And uh, I hope that there's been some things that we've shared that, once again, can bless your life.